Likutei Sicha is Chelik Chav Gimel, Volume Twenty Three, the first Sicha for Parshas Paloischa. This is a very easy Rashi Sicha, which will conclude with a wonderful explanation into the idea, the concept of Loma Nigara. Literally, why should we be diminished? This is the argument that the Jewish people made for not being left out of a mitzvah. So, I would strongly encourage you, strongly recommend that you go over the psukim, the verses, from beginning of chapter 9, Periktes, at least until Pasikut Beis, to get a basic idea of the story here, the story of the Korban Pesach and Pesach Sheni. Also, to contrast this, to keep in mind, the very first parsha of this Chumash, that is, Parshas Bamidbar, which discusses the counting of Bnei Yisrael, the census that they took, which Parshas Bamidbar took place in Chodesh Iyar, in the month of Iyar, which is, quote, the second month of the year, versus our parsha here, which is we're discussing now, which took place in Chodesh Nisan, quote, the first month of the year. Also, to review the Rashi on Perik Tes Pasuk Aleph, chapter nine, verse one. Rashi, the only Rashi on the Pasuk, the Ramaschul Chedesh Arishan. Just a few rules to go over quickly. Number one is a very famous rule: Ein Muktam Umuuchar Batayra. Literally translated, there's no earlier, there's no later in the Torah, meaning there's no uh, chronological order to the Torah. As we know, the Torah is not a book of chronicles. It's not a history book. It's a book of Torah, of instruction, of Hirah, of directives. Therefore, the Torah does not give us necessarily a play-by-play, and therefore you cannot deduce the chronological order from the way the Torah chose to present uh, various episodes. You know, one, er- one that may have occurred earlier is sometimes presented in the Torah at a later time. Another rule, that there is a concept of called mitzvahs hatluyos ba'aretz. There are many mitzvahs which Bnei Yisrael received, which were contingent of them entering Eretz Yisrael, meaning those mitzvahs did not take effect, were not applicable until they entered Eretz Yisrael, until they came in to the Holy Land. One of those mitzvahs is, for example, the mitzvah of Korban Pesach, as will be discussed later. Uh, you have, for example, the mitzvah of Bikurim, the mitzvah of Truma, and so on and so forth. So let's go into the Sikha. On the Pasik Vaidabra Hashem al Mesh Bibar Sinai Bashan Hashem is the Sisraim Bachidash Rishon Lamar. On the Pasik it says Hashem spoke to Mesha in the desert of Sinai, in the second year from when they left Egypt, meaning it's the already past the first anniversary of them leaving Mitzrayim. In the first month, what is the first month? The month of Nisan, Hashem spoke and he said that they should perform the mitzvah of Korban Pesach. They should bring the offering of Pesach. And subsequently, we have the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni. After they came and they demanded, why should we be diminished? Why should we be left out from this wonderful mitzvah? And Hashem gave the mitzvah Pesach Sheni. So Rashi, on the words, quote in the first month, Rashi says, he explains that the parasha that we have in the beginning of this Chumash was not, quote, was not said until Iyar, right, in the second month. It says, Rashi, Lamadato, you learn from here, She'ein Seder Muktam There is no order of, quote, earlier or later in the Torah. There's no particular chronological order in the Torah. And then Rashi continues and he asks, why didn't he, quote, open? Why didn't he begin with this? 
which implies why did he begin the Chumash with this? Why did he wait up until now, until Parshas Baha'u'llah to tell us about this um, story? So Rashi answers, because this has some kind of, somewhat of a negative reflection on the Jewish people. Why? Rashi says, because all the 40 years that they were in the Midbar, that they were in the desert, they did not offer the carbon Pesach except for this one and only time that is in the second year, in the, uh, celebrating the first anniversary of leaving Mitzrayim. So the Rebbe asks, we need to understand the following. Number one, this concept, this idea of Ein Muktam that there's no particular chronological order in the Torah is nothing new. We have it many times before, prior to this to this uh, parsha. In fact, already in Chumash Bereshis we have it in the very first parsha of the Torah. Moreover, if you look in last week's parsha, which is Parsha's Nasai, which at the end of the parsha, beginning with Hamishi, discusses the Karbani Sanisirin, the inaugurative offerings of the leaders of the tribes, of the, of, of the Shvatim, and which began on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, as Rashi points out. It says, It was in the day when Moshe completed to erecting the Mishkan, meaning the actual inauguration of the Mishkan, and Rashi points out it was Chodesh Nisan, and there Rashi doesn't explain anything and doesn't say why um, that was said later than uh, it was quoted later than the first parsha in Chumash Bamidbar. Moreover, Rashi Rashi um, do, Rashi doesn't. Whenever Rashi does explain that, I'm sorry. Whenever Rashi does point out that Ein Rashi doesn't explain why. It's understood that the Torah has a reason why. And like I said, the Torah is not a history book. So therefore, the Torah doesn't have to necessarily put it in the proper chronological order. So Rashi never bothers explaining why. Why over here does Rashi ask the question and go, hey, why did this Parsha uh, appear in the Torah later after the Parsha that appears in the beginning, beginning of the Chumash? And another thing is, how does Rashi make this statement, Lomadita? You learn, like, as if, like, this is the very first time we have this, and we learn it from here that The fact is, like I said, it's been many times in the Torah that we find we encounter this idea, this concept of The answer is, and you can see it actually in the wording of Rashi. The choice of words of Rashi. Rashi doesn't just say simply Ein Muktam but he says here Ein Seder Muktam There's something about the order here. Something about the Seder. Something stands out here. Rashi is pointing to something. Rashi is hinting something, and that is as we said, the Torah is not a book of chronicles, and that's why typically, when there is a a um, uh, situation in which you have a an episode which happened earlier is however being quoted in the Torah later Rashi many times will point out a mukta Torah why because Rashi wants to just remind us not to make a mistake and not to make, draw any conclusions based on the order that the Torah presented the episodes in order other words since the Torah doesn't really point out the dates 
The Torah doesn't point out the chronological time when it happened, so one may make a mistake and think that it goes according to the order of the Torah. And therefore, Rashi finds it necessary many times to point out, no, indeed, this episode occurred uh, prior to an episode that's already been mentioned in the Torah. However, over here, there's something very interesting. Over here, you see that the Torah does make a point to point out the chronological time. The Torah does give a time, uh, uh, a time stamp. In our Parsha, the Torah gives a time stamp. It tells us exactly when that happened. It happened on the second year, and it happened in the first month, on Rish Chodesh of the first month. And then you contrast it with the other time in the Torah, in this very Chumash, in the beginning of the Chumash, where again, the Torah makes a point to give us a timestamp. The Torah gives us a, a, makes a point to give us the chronological time when it happened. Therefore, Rashi has to tell us, oh, over here you can learn that there is no Seder Torah. That means even when the Torah does want you to know the exact date of when it occurred, still there's no particular order of Muktam or and therefore you can learn it from here, so to speak. Because here's where it actually stands out. Again, normally, like for example, in Parshish Nasai, it just says, that this occurred in the day that Moshe completed the Mishkan, or the, 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 the day of the inauguration of Mishkan, but it doesn't point out it, the exact time. It doesn't make a timestamp. It doesn't give us the exact date on the calendar. So the Torah doesn't emphasize, so to speak, the chronological uh, aspect of it. But over here, the Torah does. And yet, the Torah stated this one after um, the prior, after stating uh, an episode that happened post this chronological uh, uh, time. And therefore, Rashi points out that from here you learn ain't seder There's no particular order, even when the Torah does make a point to give us somewhat of an idea of the date and time. Now we'll be able to understand why Rashi felt compelled to explain the reason why the Torah doesn't say it previously. And we'll start by first addressing several questions on Rashi and, and the way Rashi expresses it. First, first of all, Rashi says, I'm sorry, Rashi doesn't say, quote, why didn't the Torah say this prior to the other day? Why the Torah wasn't mocked in this? Why the Torah didn't preface the episode in the beginning of Chumash Midbar with this story which happened earlier. But rather the expression Rashi uses, Lama loy posach. Why didn't he open, why didn't he begin, the, so to speak, the Chumash with this? What, what does this expression mean? What is Rashi pointing to exactly? Number two, why does Rashi... Uh, we need to understand the explanation that Rashi gives, the answer that he gives, because this is the this is Yisrael, because this is some kind of disparagement to the Bnei Yisrael that they didn't make this Pesach, they didn't make the carbon Pesach all the forty years. The question is, what kind of answer is this? What is the disparaging aspect here? The Yidden weren't told to do it, so they didn't do it. In other words, if you think about it, the whole idea of carbon Pesach in the first place, as already indicated in Chumash Shmois, in Parshas Bai, where they received the mitzvah Korban Pesach in the first place, over there already it implies, and Rashi points it out, that the whole concept of Korban Pesach is applicable when they come to the Eretz Yisrael. 
It says, They will be when Hashem brings it to the land. And then it continues and then it says, You should make the carbon Pesach. So that already in itself gives the implication, it, it, it somewhat intimates that the whole idea of carbon Pesach is applicable only after they come to Eretz Yisrael. So what is the disparaging aspect here that the Yidin didn't bring a carbon Pesach? They weren't told to do it. In fact, if you think about it, if they would have brought a carbon Pesach, they would not only not be committing, uh, fulfilling, performing a mitzvah, they would be committing a sin. There is a sin to bring a carbon, makin kachim bechutz, makin kachim, that you bring kachim in a time, not bechutz, but you bring kachim in a, in a time or a place that is not appropriate, is that you're doing an avera. You're not supposed to bring it in the base of Mikdash. You're bringing like a, like a, a foreign carbon to the, to the Mizbeach. You're not supposed to do it. Now, there are those that, says the Rebbe, that attempt to answer this by saying the following, that the reason why this is somewhat disparaging to, the, to, the, to B'nai Yisrael is because they caused the fact that they got stuck in the Midbar for 40 years, they caused this to happen through the sin of the Miraglim, of the spies, and therefore, if, so to speak, the onus is on them, and they're the ones who are responsible and guilty for not having had the opportunity, the ability to bring the carbon Pesach for those 40 years. That, well, that says that, but that could be the case. But number one, the story with Miraglim didn't happen yet. Number two, this idea, this concept that the Jewish, that the Bnei Yisrael are really culpable for the fact that they weren't able to do these, this mitzvah is not only in, in regards to this particular mitzvah, it's all the mitzvahs that are connected to their entry in Eretz Yisrael. Why, why, um, why did the Torah zoom in on this one? Why does the Torah pick this one as an example to express the Gnus and Shal Yisrael? So therefore, and why is why you know why only by the offering of the carbon pesach? So to understand all this, we'll focus in on Rashi's words as we asked before. Why Rashi doesn't say why didn't the Torah say this earlier? But why didn't the Torah open with this? Why didn't the Torah begin with this? In other words, we see from Rashi's expression that the emphasis is. That not so much why the Torah is speaking, mentioning something that's somewhat disparaging to Bnei Yisrael, but rather that Rashi wanted that this parsha should be the opening parsha of Chumash Bamidbar. And if you think about it, there is, says the Rebbe, a pattern. If you look at all the Chumashim, you see a pattern. And that is that each Chumash opens up, each Chumash begins with the Shvach, with the praise of Bnei Yisrael. It's, each Chumash is a, begins something in association with the greatness of Bnei Yisrael. Take Chumash Bereshis, for example. Well, it begins Bereshis, and Rashi says, Matam What's the reason Hashem began with Bereshis, telling us about the creation of the world and so on? And Rashi says, Because Hashem is speaking about His greatness and all the greatness of His work. He said to, he relates to his people and about his people and for his people that if any time there's an argument later, everybody should know it's Hashem's world and Hashem made the world for Bnei Yisrael and he chose to give this land to Bnei Yisrael. You see it begins, it opens up, quote unquote, with the praise, with the association of praise to Bnei Yisrael. Chumishmois, it begins by Elishmois. Again, Rashi tells us why is he saying their names again? Why is he counting it again? So Rashi says, to tell us how much Hashem loves us and how much cherished we are in Hashem's eyes, that he counts us all the time. It comes to Chumish by Midbar, 
Amevayikra. It says Vayikra Moshe and Rashi says that for all um, commandments and any time Hashem spoke to Moshe, because Moshe is the one representing us, first it was always prefaced with the Kriya. Uh, that's Loshin Chiba with a calling out to Moshe, which is in itself an expression of love of Hashem cherishing us. And then the Chumash Bamidbar, you see that it starts, it starts with the senses, with the counting of B'nai Yisrael. Again, and Rashi tells us there, because Hashem loves us so much, therefore He counts us. Therefore, Hashem always is in the in the habit of always continuously counting us like somebody counts something that they really love so following this we can understand rashi's question why rashi try, makes the argument at least in the question phase that really the chumash should have began with this because in this parsha we see a great uh, a great uh, a greatness we see something special about bnei yisrael and there is a certain Maila and Chavivus of Bnei Yisrael, and therefore Rashi makes the argument, perhaps the Chumash should have began with this. What is it? Chumash Vayikra is all about commandments. It's primarily about what Hashem tells us to do. Here in Chumash Bamidbar, what, do you, what is the Chumash Bamidbar all about? It's all about how and what happened with and to Bnei Yisrael in all the years that they were in the desert. Thus, it would have been most appropriate to begin this Chumash with pointing out how the Eden did and implemented all those commandments. This is a great Mila, this is a great praise of B'nai Yisrael. As it says in this parsha that we're reading, in this story, in this episode of the Korban Pesach, Vayasu Pesach, that they did exactly that they actually implemented and they followed all the details exactly as Hashem said. This would have been a great Mila. This would have been a great praise of B'nai Yisrael following Chumash Vayikra, which was all about the commandment phase, all about the instruction phase, this would have been most appropriate. And then everything would have been, so to speak, in a constant growth, so to speak, in a continuous elevation of the praise of Bnei Yisrael, starting Chumash Shmois. Shmois would have been a Chumash which says how great the Eden are, how much Hashem loves us, Mitzat Atzmam, because of their essence, who they are. Vayikra already would have been a step higher, how Hashem is giving us commandments, how we become even more important by virtue of Hashem commanding us. And Chumash Midbar would have had now, if it would have began with this, would have been an even greater step higher that now we have commandments that come not from, so to speak, Hashem in, in, uh, in, in his own initiative. But rather, like it happened at the end of this episode, because of us, because how great we are, it would have triggered, we triggered that Hashem should give us yet another commandment, that is the mitzvah of Karban Pesach Sheni. And therefore, it would have been fantastic. It would have, everything would have fit into place. That's what Rashi is asking. It seems that this would have pointed out even greater, and and it would have been a residual um, and constant, so to speak, elevation in the growth of praise of Bnei Yisrael, pointing out how great we are. And so, for this, Rashi answers that no. Even though on the surface it may seem like this is a praise for Bnei Yisrael, but still there is also a great gnus 
there's a disparagement over here. Why? And that's what Rashi points out. From the fact that there was a Korban Pesach once, meaning from the fact that Hashem did instruct them to offer the Korban Pesach while they still were in the desert, even prior to going into Eretz Yisrael, this in itself inherently points that the whole concept of Korban Pesach is not totally negated from the Midbar. In other words, it's not totally contingent or, ex- I'm sorry, it's not exclusively contingent on them entering Yisrael. It's just that in actuality, so to speak, in the implementation phase, it is more connected to Yisrael. But the general concept, the general idea of it is also shayich, also somewhat applies or could be applicable to the time that they are in the desert. And therefore, the genus would have been true, they were not actively commandment. The Hashem did, commanded to do it. Hashem did not tell them to do it. But the question is, and here is the gnus, why didn't they come and do exactly what happened by Korban Pesach Sheni? Why didn't they come and demand it and say, Hashem, we did it last year, why can't we do it again? Okay, we're stuck in the midbar, but we don't want to miss out on such a great mitzvah. Why didn't they do that? That is a gnus. And in fact, you can say a kal v'choymer, Think of it, if only several people, meaning a small group, a very small group of individuals, that they were left out from the carbon. When they came and demanded, Laman de Gada, why should we be diminished from this? Why should we lose out on it? And Hashem responded. That triggered such a great response of carbon Pesach Sheini. Imagine if all the Yidin would have came. If all the Yidin would have came and said, what's going on here? Last year we made a carbon Pesach, why aren't we doing it this year? Certainly Hashem would have um, uh, instructed them to do it. And therefore this is a gnus. Therefore this is somewhat of a negative reflection on the Yidin. However, the Rebbe asks an interesting thing. The question is, so why didn't Moshe and Aaron come and demand it on their behalf? The answer is, says the Rebbe, Moshe and Aaron were the ultimate Nisiya Yisroel. They were all the ultimate leaders of the Yid. What is it? The, what is the character of a true Nasi? That he always looks out, not only for the well-being, the welfare of the people, but even for their kavod. And therefore, had Moshe and Aaron come to Hashem and ask or demand that they that they be able to offer the carbon Pesach, and Hashem would have consented, and Hashem would have said, "Yes, sure, go ahead and do it." then that would have reflected very negatively on Bnei Yisrael. Why would it reflected very negatively on them? Because that would have shown that indeed it is applicable, that indeed it is possible, indeed it was available. So that would have reflected even more negatively on Bnei Yisrael. How come they didn't say anything? How come they didn't want it? If it was available right there, all they had to do is, is ask. And they didn't ask. And the proof that it's available is because Moshe and Aaron asked and it was given. Therefore, Moshe and Aaron, once they noticed, once they saw that the Bnei Yisrael are not asking, they too didn't ask. From all this, says the Rebbe, there's a tremendous a tremendous lesson, a tremendous directive, that we see that the power of Bnei Yisrael, when a Yid comes and says, Laman de Gara, why should we be diminished? Why should we lose out? The power of prayer of Bnei Yisrael is immense. It's just amazingly strong. And therefore, we have to all use that power to demand, to ask Hashem to bring the Geula and not underestimate the power of our tefillah.